I imagine he's the one who was going and getting food, but he was probably getting, like, ramen noodles. Hello, and welcome to the AfterSpark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Spex. Today we're going to be talking about episode number 37, Blaster Blues. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Sure. And today, we open upon a rock concert with incredibly generic rock music playing. And quite a lot of pink. At least on the, uh, the screen that we paused on. Because, like, <laughs> there's super security in that masculinity, but it was very colorful. <laughs> there is also a lot of strobing going on in this scene, and I wonder if this would get an epilepsy warning if aired today, which just feels kind of weird when you're watching 80s media, because that wasn't really a thing yet. Well, I mean, it's good that we know about it now. True. Because, yeah, making sure that people don't have, people with medical conditions don't spontaneously have them happen is, you know, you don't want to- Definitely want to, a good thing. <laughs> you don't want to trigger anyone's debilitating medical condition. Right. I it kill- Okay, tangent. I still can't believe that the Incredibles 2 movie had a scene that was apparently needed a strobe warning and they didn't have one in there and i'm like this is freaking 2018 or whatever what the heck i think i know which one that was but i mean into into the spider-verse also definitely had a lot of that Mm. well to get back to this (laughs) yeah (laughs) blaster is uh, enjoying that concert with spike and carly And they all lament that the other Autobots aren't there, but through the power of broadcasting, they don't need to be. Blaster can share the joy of rock music with the world. Or the Autobots, at least. Whether they want him to or not. Cosmos seems quite happy to have some music to fly around to, though. He even does a little loop-de-loop. What's important is that he's having fun. He probably doesn't get a whole lot of entertainment up there. No. No, he doesn't. My poor son. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And that the Ark, Optimus, and Sparkplug are trying to get some target practice done with Omega Supreme. Omega Supreme, as I believe this is his first appearance in the G1 cartoon, is this, like, ginormous Autobot with an incredibly complicated transformation. Oh, he is. He, he is, it is such a complicated transformation. He literally goes to pieces, splitting into a rocket, a rocket base, and a tank in vehicle mode. I mean, why have one when you can have three? <laughs> Don't ask how he goes anywhere in vehicle mode. Oh, we'll get to that. (laughs) Yep, and all of this is suddenly interrupted by some unprompted rock music, except we know better. (laughs) And we we have to assume this is playing through Teletran 1 because not only does Optimus hear it, but Sparkplug can hear it too. And he reacts to it mightily. As does Optimus. Neither of them really like rock music, apparently. Yep. Jazz has some taste, though. He seems, like, super happy and starts boogieing down. That's because Jazz is awesome. Duh. (laughs) Elsewhere, at an observatory, a scientist is trying to make contact with extraterrestrials. This just kills me? They have aliens on their their planet. This is well-known information! He should probably just drive over to the Ark if he wants to contact alien life! But no! (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit, um... A little bit pointless when they can literally just go and interview the giant robots that are already there. 
He appears to be giving a lecture to other scientists and possibly the press about his new invention that would allow such contact with extraterrestrials. He just needs to grab a megaphone and shout, Hey, I have energy and the Decepticons would turn up. Though I have a thought that he doesn't think that the Transformers are robots, are aliens because they're robots. Maybe he's just thinking organic life. I don't know, but he could also just paint the entire building purple. That would certainly get the Decepticons there too. Oh, it would. It would. And speaking of the Decepticons, look who's here. <laughs> Shocker. Megatron begins talking to the scientist from the roof where Megatron, Starscream, and Thundercracker have landed. And the guy's like, ah, a response. Where are you? <sighs> They're completely ignoring the time. Well, that it would still take a lot of time for this message, message to traverse the void of space and then, you know, get a response back. He's a world-renowned scientist, Specs. World-renowned! Is it a really small world? <laughs> no, it's just a cartoon in the 80s. <laughs> oh, indeed. Megatron proceeds to dick with the guy, saying to the something to the effect of, Oh, much closer than that. Starscream gets impatient and ruins his fun by just blowing shit up, though. Yeah, and Megatron is just not happy with Starscream. Because he could have destroyed the Voltronic Galaxer, which is apparently what uh, today's um, fancy schmancy tech gadget is called. And what the scientist was apparently using to try and communicate. I think he calls it a Galaxer in, in the show, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the scientist manages to be pretty fly for an old guy, dodging a blast from Starscream, and then running off yelling, HELP! <laughs> Back at the Ark, Blaster continues to annoy his teammates. Jazz continues to dance, clanking all the way. <laughs> The scientist's plea for help comes in over Teletran and everybody tells Blaster to shut up before they leave. <laughs> uh, no one appreciates him. Nobody Blaster was unappreciated in his time. Yeah. Uh, we get a series of shots showing us a bunch of toys, I mean, um, characters transforming. Optimus Prime, Ironhide, Trailbreaker, Hound, Ratchet, Sunstreaker, Sideswipe, Mirage, and Bumblebee. And poor Blaster seems rather put upon. He just wanted to show his friend some tunes. He wants to share the love. That hard rock and love. It's all right. You'll get to enjoy some music later. Mm-hmm. And now, back at the observatory, the scientist gloms onto his device, shouting, No! Anything but this! I'm really, truly not sure what he hoped to accomplish here, as Megatron just can easily pick the entire damn thing up. Taking the dude with him. To, with it. to which Megatron just sort of tips the guy onto the ground, much like I would do a bug that I found in my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, or a mouse that you found crawling on you. <laughs> and then all the Decepticons fly off to a rendezvous with Astrotrain. Astrotrain is another new character. He is a Decepticon triple changer that turns into both a train and a shuttle. He is, of course, purple. Yep. Megs opens a cargo hatch and shoves the Voltronic Galaxer in before rejoining the two Seekers. And then Astrotrain turns into a shuttle and all the Decepticons get inside. I'd ask why they did it like that, but I already know the answer. They needed to show the kids that he could be a train and also be a jet. <sighs> yep. My head hurts. <laughs> and then they blast off into space as the Autobots arrive at the observatory. 
The scientist tells the Autobots they are too late, and Optimus questions how the what the device could do, and the scientist says something about unscrambling communications. Ah, God, has the military been funding this guy's stuff? I don't know. He seems pretty unconcerned about any other applications of his device. I think he legitimately just wanted to talk to aliens. He could have just called up the Autobots. I mean, he obviously had their number. Obviously, but the Autobots head back to base after this, since they can't really do anything when the Decepticons aren't there. Yeah, and they're a bit, uh, a bit difficult for a bunch of ground pounders to uh, chase a, something into space. True. Optimus is then seen communicating with various other Autobots who are monitoring for Decepticon activity, but no one has seen or heard anything. And they have also apparently sent Blaster into space jail as he's just sort of chilling inside Cosmos as Cosmos is flying around in space. Well, at least he's with one of the two bots who actually seems to appreciate his musical taste. He does lament that he can't get any radio stations all the way out here, though. Well, another mark for Cosmos needing some entertainment. Definitely. And for the Decepticons' base of the week, apparently they've built one on the moon. And apparently they stole the galaxy to jam the airways on Earth! <sighs> Cosmos moves in closer, landing in Megatron's direct line of sight. Oh, Cosmos... Good at subterfuge, you ain't. <laughs> yeah. Astrotrain goes after them and manages to capture Cosmos. Completely violently magenta abduction light as he pulls Cosmos into his hole. This is going to be like the first of at least a few weird in interactions between Astrotrain and Cosmos. You're right. <laughs> You're very right. <laughs> Yeah, poor Cosmos. Astrotrain knocks him out a weird amount. And, like, <laughs> renders him not able to do anything. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> I hadn't made that connection until now. Oh gosh. Um, so Megatron decides to get uh, personal when they uh, are dragged back to base, calling Cosmos a useless piece of scrap. I don't know how the hell I'm gonna slap the shit out of a forty foot robot, but I'm about to give it a good old try. <laughs> Both bots are welded into place, Cosmos having been regulated to a power booster, and Blaster be either being used to control the, um, the doohickey, or separately to scramble the audio signals. Feel the need to point out there should be some consent here, it's really not cool guys! The Decepticons are villains. They don't care about their enemies. It's not like no. they've got the Geneva Conventions. <laughs> there's, what? There's no war Geneva Convention specs? Well, no, they just don't have Geneva. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a, G a Geneva equivalent. <sighs> the device takes hold and we see an airport loose communication with various planes that are coming and going. Um... Some planes, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, but some planes take some rather evasive maneuvers to avoid other planes. I swear some of them are moving like fighter jets and I can't even. Yeah, the skies are also, you know, pretty clear, so the pilot should be able to see and make decisions. But what about the drama of almost hitting another plane? They would never do that. They need their pilot's licenses to suspend it. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Elsewhere on some train tracks, some workmen are trying to clear the clear the tracks of some debris. It might be a fallen tree, but it's debris. And the, except they can't radio tra the uh, train that's coming 
before it hits the fallen tree and derails. And then explodes. I'm afraid that cow catcher is not terribly useful. <laughs> but surprise, surprise, they can't radio the fire department because, of course. You know, with all these radios not working, I'm getting some fucking flashbacks to the live action movie. No, no, it's too early in the year to have to think about the live action movies. No. It is not too early to get prepped for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fortunately, Red Alert and Astro Train are nearby. And, uh, you mean ready Inferno? To take... <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> Red Alert and Astro Train would be quite the pair, wouldn't they? <laughs> Sorry. I think they'd be trying to murder each other. Yeah, right? I'd be like, they were just out for a walk, apparently. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Fortunately, Red Alert and Inferno are nearby and ready to take on the problem. Which, um, Red Alert tries to deal with it by, you know, shooting the fire out. Thankfully, Inferno does something a little bit more productive, and I think they were trying to have Red make a fire break, but the way they did it made, like, zero sense. Yeah. Though I have seen something where apparently you can shoot, like, some sort of carbon that'll release. Hmm. Maybe it's not carbon or something. Maybe it was CO2 that would release and smother it. Mm, but that does didn't... make sense, but that definitely isn't what that looked like. Yeah. Megatron has taken control of the airwaves as he's heard on the workman's radio immediately before Red and Inferno are attacked by Ramjet and Thundercracker. And suddenly, in the mountains, there's snow. I want snow specs. Well, we'll have it soon. <laughs> Not soon enough. Yeah. Some forecaster is trying to warn motorists by broadcasting over the radio. Which, just like everything else, obviously doesn't work. At the arc, Optimus drives in with his trailer and yeets himself forward while transforming, once arriving in, uh, the, you know, the Teletran room. On Optimus, action hero! <laughs> The Autobots realize what's happening, and they all head out and try to help. Ah, the goody two-shoes that they are. <laughs> they arrive on the snowy mountain and uh, just have snow tires they can swap to instantaneously. Of course. They must... <sighs> I wish we had that sort of tech. That would be nice. Hoist manages to save a car that falls off a cliff with his, like, little grippy toe claw thing. Yep, oh, hoist the savior we deserve. I, too, would like to be saved by a very polite, vaguely British Autobot. Yep. Prowl is helping evacuate people from their cars, who are then taking refuge in Ratchet, because Ratchet apparently has seats now. Convenient snow tires, convenient seats, convenient everything today. Yep. Trailbreaker runs up to a car, generates a force field, picks it up, and puts the force field over the car to prevent it from a being impacted by a pile of snow landing on it. Oh my god, that's made of energy, right? How does that work? How can weird, you get- Weird, weird bullshit. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, it's weird, weird bullshit. I don't know, because it makes about as much sense as all the Autobots flying through space in his force shield. <sighs> Touché. And as with before, the Autobots hear Megatron on the radio and are immediately attacked by Ramjet and Thundercracker. I'm going to assume that this is after they just attacked Red and Inferno, or this makes very little sense. You know, just like everything else that keeps happening. Either that or there's a Thundercracker lookalike running around. <laughs> which... Possible? I don't know. The Autobots do their best to cover Ratchet, who's still housing some of the humans, but eventually 
uh, are blown away into the snow. Elsewhere, Optimus is directing air traffic like a freaking traffic cop. Spike and Carly are listening to Megatron on the radio, realizing he's on every frequency. Ramjet and Thundercracker show up yet again, shooting Optimus and Powerglide. So, being shot sends Powerglide speeding towards the ground with Carly and Spike inside along for the ride. And then Carly and Spike grab some emergency jetpacks and put them on Powerglide's um, exterior, and then he's able to land safely. Well, that was not the direction I thought that was going to go in at all. <laughs> Me neither. Which, I mean, kudos for them to trying to save their friend, but... That being said, <clears throat> I don't think that should have worked because they are still in the air and the wind speed alone should have like made that very difficult to open like his cockpit or whatever and try to put the jetpacks on the outside. Yeah, but I mean, then again, Spike is apparently superhuman and easily able to pick up and use giant robot guns. Also, they're at a low enough uh, altitude that like they wouldn't go through decompression. Decompression wasn't actually what I was worried about. It's still that Powerglide would still be going fast, at least to some degree, because he's still up in the air. And that's true. That was actually more of what I would be like. The jetpack should have like gotten ripped out of their hands before they could attach them to him. Oh, I know. It's just I'm trying to use uh, suspension of disbelief right now. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so let me just turn my entire brain off because that's the only way I'm making it through this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen that episode of, I don't know, aircraft disasters about when the cockpit blew out on um, a major jetliner and they nearly lost one of the pilots. Yeah. Over the radio, Megatron wants all of the energy before he'll return the airwaves to the humans. Blaster, somehow during all this, manages to play the rock music from before, cluing Carly into that he is on he's in the Decepticon base and she is somehow from this able to figure out they're on the moon. I think we have to assume that there might have been some location data embedded in the transmission. Either that or there's some special Carly foo going on. Which I mean it's Carly, sure. I, I there 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 you go. I will suspend my disbelief for anything Carly wants to do. How about that? <laughs> yeah. And then Powerglide's like, oh no, I'm not a damn spaceship. <laughs> but the one thing Powerglide can't do. <laughs> <laughs> but he does manage to grab, you know, the knocked out unconscious Optimus with his tow cable from the air, dragging Optimus, still unconscious and extremely undignified behind him, at least until the jetpacks start to go out. Had we noted that Optimus had been knocked out before this? Because I don't remember that. <laughs> I said the, I think we said that they were attacked, but uh, not that Optimus specifically got knocked out. <laughs> oh, okay. It's just because, yeah, that image of him being dragged undignified <laughs> through the air is just really funny. It was very funny to behold. <sighs> the Autobots on the mountain dig themselves out of the snow when they receive Blaster's communique and head out to drop the humans off, presumably somewhere safer than a giant driving Decepticon target. <laughs> yeah, that is ratchet. Uh, Powerglide manages to get Optimus to where Omega Supreme is, and Carly attempts to get Prime up and moving again. Omega Supreme says they should go to the moon to save their friends and stows Prime away inside him. <laughs> they argue that they can't communicate with anyone right now due to Megatron's interference anyway, so they should at least try something. In the very next shot, Carly and Spike are magically in some spacesuits and they board Omega with Powerglide. And these are color-coded spacesuits. Of course. 
It's the 80s. Megatron finds out that Blaster's transmitting this music and goes to blast him, but Omega Supreme lands and distracts him just in time. Okay, remember before when we said Omega Supreme splits into three pieces? Uh, only one of those pieces went up to the moon. But somehow all of them are there when he transforms back into a robot. So either they fly or they're all just like Optimus' trailer. <laughs> yeah, or he's got some way of, like, picking them up and combining them all with his shuttle form. I don't know, man. <laughs> don't ask. Megatron gets mad, but Omega just picks him up in one hand. He's so tiny like, in comparison! <laughs> yeah, he's treating him like a... Oh god, it's like that Mars Attacks comic where Megatron gets shrunken. <laughs> yeah, it is. He's about, he's so tiny. Yep. Astrotrain looks on like, I don't know what anyone expects me to do here. And Optimus is just sort of lying on the ground on a pallet in the background while Power Glide just sort of hangs out and watches all of this go down. <laughs> just like, no, no, we just need to get Omega to the moon. We'll be fine. Astrotrain transforms into his train mode and trips Omega, making him drop Megatron. He then transforms into a shuttle and flies off, with Omega transforming and going after him. But on the ground, at least someone here is using this time somewhat effectively, as Megatron takes the opportunity to walk over and kick the unconscious Optimus on the ground. But Optimus is able to get back up and tosses Megatron across the moon. Optimus is just like, what the fuck is going on? How did I get here? The dude went to sleep on the ground in an airport and woke up on the damn moon. Poor Optimus is going to need some explanations. <laughs> but right now he's like, big gray and ugly, must punch. <laughs> Blaster manages to start affecting the Galaxer by initiating a feedback loop, but Cosmos one-ups him and just shoots it. Why did no one disable his guns? Why is no one guarding them? Because Megatron only brought like three people to the moon and sent two of them back and also overconfidence. Yeah, that sounds right. Rather, yeah, accepted, yeah. <laughs> Outside, Megatron and Optimus grapple, and considering they're on the moon, this must be really awkward considering <laughs> the lower gravity. Well, it goes something like, blah, 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 I still have enough energy to conquer you! Do you know, Optimus? Do you? Do you? <laughs> Optimus manages to get the upper hand while in the air, Astrotrain taunts Omega. But Omega just transforms back into robot mode, grabs Astrotrain, and then chucks him into space. Megatron flies off and the rest of the crew heads into the base to help Blaster and Cosmos. Blaster advocates that they should keep the moon base now that they have it. Cosmos seems kind of happy with this. He wants, you know, some company. So Optimus tells Blaster yes, but also adds, Remember, your volume, like any capability, is also a responsibility. Blaster's like... I'm gonna totally ignore you, as he immediately hits one of the buttons on his chest. Uh, presumably, he's supposed to be playing music, but there's no music playing. And that's, that's the end of the episode, so join us next time for a Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court. Did you know magic was real in this universe? Yeah, neither did we. Neither did the robots from outer space, either. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody saw it. No one ever expects the Magic Inquisition. So, if you have seen any of our Let's Plays, uh, my husband Chesney will be joining us on this episode too because it's his favorite and it is definitely quite a doozy. <laughs> so, I believe we have some fanfic recommendations for today. Okie dokie. Alright, so our fanfiction recommendations today are Hobby Shared by Murphilly. 
It's a G1 cartoon related. It's in the G1 cartoon continuity. It's rated G. It's Gen. Uh, there's no pairings, and the characters are Cosmos and Blaster. And in summary, Cosmos shares something with Blaster. And uh, the theme for that is music appreciation, and it's a uh, one-shot that's drablish. It's pretty short. It's also restricted access on AO3, so you have to have an AO3 account to, to read it. Um, and it was pretty cute. The second recommendation is Mechs Like Them by Eerie and Shadow. It's also a G1 cartoon, rated G, Gen, though it could be potentially pre-slash. There's no official pairings, but could be a prelude to Blaster Cosmos. And the characters are Blaster, Cosmos, and Trax. In summary, Blaster can't stop worrying about Cosmos, and it's post-Blaster Blues is the uh, recommendation or reason for the recommendation theme something. And it's a one-shot. So that concludes the two recommendations for this week. And I should have some fan art for us today. So uh, my recommendation for today is Pell from Hell. I don't know why they named themselves that, but I am down for it. They have a Tumblr and a Twitter. And just a warning, they have not been active since 2018. However, their art is very cute. And today we've linked some really cute ones. Uh, we. We have a uh, knife Megatron, which is amazing. And I, what, this is based off a cat gif, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. My first thought when I saw the name was, is it, is it that thing with the baby holding a knife running or the kid holding a knife running? And they're like, what are you holding? A knife. And it's like, no, I <laughs> no. think of that with Megatron. <laughs> but yeah, the smug cat works perfectly for this. Right. Even though it's lost like Megatron and therefore one of the lesser smug Megatrons, but still funny. Yeah, but I mean, this is, would be like being confronted by a bunch of Autobots. <laughs> yeah. And then we have some cute uh, mistletoe Christmassy uh, Dratchet, uh, where I think Ratchet just wants some tea and Drift is trying to get a kiss. Yes, that is cute. And our last one is uh, the Soundwave family. Uh, it looks like Rumble and Frenzy are about ready to fight and Soundwave is just dealing with his unruly children. <laughs> And ravages separating them. <laughs> and the birds are like, oh dear god, why? <laughs> yeah. Not that I can looks, really blame them. Looks like Buzzsaw is super annoyed. Yeah, very grumpy. He's a grumpy burb. Anyway, we'll be linking to the all of the cute images and their Tumblr and Twitter. And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowfort as Afterspark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcasts such as AO3, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. And feel free to send us questions on Tumblr, YouTube, or AO3. Till next time, I'm Specs. And I'm Owls. Toodles! <laughs>